Hello, and welcome to the Palma Podcast. This episode is on noise, and it's kind of ironic that I record with a pretty shitty audio, because there's quite often a little bit of noise that's unintended as a result of it. But in context, noise is just unwanted audibles, and uh, I wanted to talk about it because noise also has a relationship to data, but we'll start with sound. And the thing about noise is that it can be overwhelming or can distort the perception of uh, either other senses or other things that you're trying to hear more clearly. And uh, as a person who has had tinnitus for a really long time, I've had to kind of learn meditative tricks to uh, kind of push it aside. It's, it's, it's ever-present, but in a way to manage that noise and manage that noise in a way that doesn't kind of drive me towards insanity. There are times, particularly when I'm sick, um, when that meditative trick doesn't really work that well and, and that, that ever-present high pitch is like ringing in the skull. So that's, uh, that's not pleasant. And that's why I wanted to talk about noise, because it isn't pleasant. But we are oversaturated by it. Uh, and I want to talk about contextual noise. So um, when I, I think, it, like, we say noise broadly is, you know, the unwelcome sounds. So um, what you don't really want to be hearing. Right? It's not just an acoustic um, range or, or a, a set of uh, acoustic notes. It is that the noise is unpleasant. That's sort of what shifts it to being noise rather than sound. Right? So uh, sound is just audio. Right? And, and it can be quite happy, and usually most sounds we're pretty happy with. But noise is that unwanted quality. Right? So that's, that's the key factor to remember as I'm going along is that noise is relative to an undesired um, data point or stimulus in the case of, of actual sound. Now, uh, we talk about noise a lot. So noise-canceling headphones are, are, are a factor of white noise devices. These are all meant to... Um, suppress either external sounds or to keep uh, a loud environment more manageable. And if you've worked uh, in any environment, you know, construction or, or near, a, say, a, an ambulance dispatch or a fire dispatch, then noise and um, high or um, peaked noise uh, can become very, very disruptive. So uh, I luckily, I guess, had the situations of being close to noise and having to manage it early on, uh, having lived near an ambulance dispatch uh, for quite a long time. And it, 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 it patterns, which is kind of strange because it worries me. I don't really wake up or notice sirens, but I do wake up and notice other very minimal sounds, um, which I find kind of strange that there's a, several noises I've patterned out, even though they can be incredibly loud. Those won't matter to me, but like very soft sounds that are non-patterned will still cause me to rouse. And that's, you know, I'm not entirely sure how the 
brain manages to do that, but it's, it's that filtering process. And by actively engaging through that filtering with meditation, it's how I manage the, the tinnitus. And that is an approach, while the technique doesn't necessarily apply to our media consumption, um, it is still a strategy to manage it. And that's because noise can be so overwhelming to us. It's a, it contributes towards our overstimulation. I want to talk about noise in the broad debate itself. So the unwelcomeness is this, you know, kind of vitriolic hate and the real, like, I don't know, distorted and not from a I understand when people are distorting for a particular objective, you know, you're, you're tilting your data your way, or you just, you know, you're just ignoring some of the facts that don't work in your favor. But we now have an effort to create noise for the purposes of chaos, right? To just, to get your senses overwhelmed. It makes it hard to concentrate. It makes it hard to figure out what's really going on because you're you have all of this noise. And in a journalistic context, this noise is 15 different stories around the same event, right? Which make it very, very hard to see through what the true sound is and what the true story is. And when surrounded by noise, we tend to retreat right? It, it, it's an overwhelming feature. So when we retreat, we tend to retreat towards safety, which means confirmation bias, right? We'll, we're going to gravitate towards the data point that we already agree with or that best suits what our preferred outcome is. We don't gravitate towards the truth. That's not the natural indication. And if you're oversaturated by noise, you don't actually seek to work your way through it. It's too, um, it's too much pressure already. You've already got that um, inundation and, and like almost a headache as a result of having all of this kind of noise. It's uh, and if you going back into the working world, if you're trying to accomplish a task and you've got five or six people you know, talking at you, or you've got kids in the background who are like screaming for you. It's, it is very challenging to operate and to concentrate. So this, the, uh, the ability for noise to disrupt our thinking patterns is a known quality, right? So you can use, and I mean, there's, there's strange stories um, of noise actually being used. There was these stories in, in Cuba that they're blaming on um, an insect which emits a, a sound regularly and the strange medical related and auditory related symptoms that some other um, people staying there have been having. And, you know, there's strange educations that it's testing super weapons and there's, you know, other people who are just saying, oh, no, no, it's just the bugs and you're not used to them. And in either of those, whatever, I mean, I'm not here to talk about those incidents, but the overwhelming impact that noise can have is there. And it's not something that we're taught to process. I don't recall any particular techniques or any methodology or any real thinking on noise um, throughout 
the education system or, or the discussion of it. In fact, I would argue that only the act of attempting to maintain a classroom discipline um, was the only time where noise was addressed, and it was usually because it was disruptive to the teacher, right? When the, the rest of the students are kind of out of control, they're unable to deliver uh, their material in a functional way if there's too much noise. So they would, they would police that behavior. But we were never educated on the function of noise, and in particular, how that uh, impacts our our, our brain pathways. So noise pollution is a little bit more commonly discussed now. And when we look at noise pollution, it can come from a variety of sources, right? It's not just um, having just like sound uh, that is loud or uh, all-encompassing. You want to have um, noise that comes at you know at different pitches it, it's uh un, the big thing is it's unable to be arrested by um by just being near it or that it's outside of our control to arrest it and when you have to deal with noise the the unwelcome noise it really does make it hard to function and when you've got uh, a, a really i don't know uh you don't want to just look at it from a perspective of hearing and that's that's another problem we also often will have right is that there's a straight line connection between noise and our ears and hearing right so we think that everything related to it is just sound related so you go to an audiologist you get a hearing aid maybe or you you look at the hearing loss but we don't understand or to talk about the relationship on a more psychological level, how it disturbs sleep patterns. And if you disturb sleep patterns, then you are disturbing your whole mental health regime. You can have, you know, stress-related impacts due to noise as it raises blood pressure and injects cortisol into your system from the aggravation, right? And, you know, you can have total psychiatric disorders come as a result of an incessant or an like an unstoppable noise that seems to uh, overwhelm and kind of create. So, you know, it, it's positive that, you know, that some of the health institutes are starting to recognize the actual physiological effects and the psychological effects of noise and the oversaturation of our um, system by it. But outside of like, lining it up to a direct occupational hazard, uh, which is, you know, usually from a decibel perspective, you know, if it, if it crosses a certain level, then it can be damaging. But the multiple source, right, so the, the inability to find out the data that's useful to us while we're being hit by all of this noise. So the person who's talking in front of you, you have a customer who's, say, you know, trying to explain something, what's what's wrong, and you've got 12 other things going on in your background, and all, you know, your computer in front of you is beeping at you and, and whatever else. So that kind of overstimulation is, is what's frying a lot of people's brains. Not that they 
have a complete inability to handle it, but that we don't, we don't train ourselves to be able to manage to cut through that. And again, it's, it's sort of a back way endorsement of learning meditative skills because meditation is the only noise management device that is not, um, an external thing that needs to be added, which, you know, usually it's a it's a preventative block right noise canceling and noise filtering stuff um it, it's gonna cushion you away from uh the total experience it's, it's again it, it follows that sheltering approach rather than a management approach so i wanted to talk about the context of that and and how you can maybe try to um, manage that a little Obviously, when dealing with straight up sound, um, managing your ear intake is a factor. If you have the ability to um, prevent hearing loss, then you know you should be trying to do that. And it's that uh, that's certainly a, a technique. And you know you should be cautious around. You know, I mean, the, the front row at the rock concerts all through my teens and twenties sounded pretty smart then, but. Um, you know, it could be one of the major reasons why I've experienced tinnitus from the, for the 20 years since, right? So uh, I'm not oblivious to it being um, a self-inflicted problem, but it also became a, well, I've got to manage this because um, when you, a condition like tinnitus is, is constant, right? And it never, at least my version of it, it never leaves me. It's always there at some level and so i can either concentrate on it uh, and hear nothing but it or i can concentrate it away and then be able to, to function um quite well in in my normal uh, way of, of hearing and thinking and it, and it doesn't tend to be much of an imposition except for as i said before when i'm sick and it's mostly because i'm not able to use those uh, those techniques so the best um and probably the most used to it um, are sound engineers, musicians, people who's, who where sound is their life. So they've developed techniques, tools, and, and patterns which are designed to um, preserve and protect both their hearing and their capacities to operate in a noise-filled world in a more useful way. So you can always, you know, check out some musician and sound engineer blogs on uh, noise and dealing with noise, and you, and you may find some extra tips there. Um, I'm, I'm again going more towards the, uh, the meditative approach and sort of taking control and understanding how you can, um, shift your own brain pathways to address that kind of noise. And when you've got, um, that skill, I guess, maybe, um, it can filter out for other factors too so once once you learn how to put up certain filters or learn to create a filtering mechanism at all you can tune that filtering towards other things and uh, again sirens high-pitched um you know the traffic um it, where i have I don't, again i'm not sure if anyone pays attention to Ottawa here, but we have our calamitous LRT development. So the, these uh, trains going by, um, I, I only live a, a couple hundred yards from, from where the track is. So I now hear the train a lot. And um, it's 
it's just a sound and and now at this point i've i've filtered it so i don't notice it even though it's very frequent um it's actually the absence of it which uh, if you've read anything about our train system is fairly frequent um but the uh the patterning is clear and having those you know there's definitely going to be an impact of having that sound and and the people who are living closer to the track um i i can imagine that they would have a, a much harder time with it it's it's kind of passive here and and certainly street traffic and you know kids waiting for the bus and all of that is that's much louder than the, the 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 pattern sounds of the train in the background but we 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 don't necessarily think of noise in how we plan things uh, and from an urban planning perspective we don't really think about how that will shift wind patterns and noise and create echo chambers uh there was we have and again it's it's weird stuff but occasionally there's these like every year or every couple of years there's a there's a residential community near a stadium that we have downtown lansdowne and lansdowne's been there for a really long time so whenever you know people in that community start complaining and going like Oh, I, you know, this place is too loud. I can't believe the sound. It's too noisy. Like you moved next to a stadium. It was there before you moved in. You can't complain about the noise from the stadium. If you are so oblivious as to not realize living near a stadium is going to have noise-related impacts, then you shouldn't be moving near stadiums, right? Just as you shouldn't be moving near the moving beside a train track if you don't like train sounds, right? Uh, it's I mean, the, the one benefit of an LRT track, I guess, is that unlike the train, it doesn't have, um, you know, a, a specific crossing where it needs to blast out its horn. Um, like if being near an actual train track, that's why being near trains and being near airports tend to depreciate a property value because the noise is factored into the sale. And yet, you know, we, we kind of have, and I, yet I understand it. You know, you get overwhelmed by the noise. You can't think it affects your sleeping patterns, affects your thinking patterns, your whole general health. Uh, you know, uh, it may even like relate to heart disease and, and, uh, other cardiovascular conditions because of, you know, that, that, that tension that gets created. Um, and you, you get those health impacts. Now, when we, change the context right so it's it's valuable and again i, I encourage people to examine uh, a meditative tools with which to address those kind of conditions if you've if you've got um, tinnitus or if you uh, work in an environment where noise is problematic then uh, you know you can have active meditation where you know most people think okay, in order to meditate, you have to be like separate from everything that's going on, this kind of like isolated in silence all moment, right? Or a series of moments. And there is that pathway to learn meditation for sure. But once once getting it down, you I, I, I meditate while engaging in my regular activities because again, for the purposes of managing this, it needs to be as constant as the stimuli. So I, I can't just 
sit in a room and go and concentrate and try to function and push it out. It has to become, you know, a, a active meditation where I'm still actively aware, but still in control of my mind enough to push those uh, stimuli to the side. And when we, sh again, so that's just the sound related noise. I want to talk to noise now in a, in a perspective of data and stimulation into our uh, media and idea consumption world, because that's where, you know, the same negative impacts of overstimulation and preventing us from being able to think clearly uh, is having an impact. So if we look at, um, if you say the uh, the UK election that's currently underway. There's a lot of noise coming out of there because I, and again, being a policy geek, you're, this is, these are people who are saying, I want to govern your nation. Why people are talking about whether or not, you know, people are or aren't doing unrelated things to governing is that is noise, right? Uh, you know, what people's, the people are doing like, I don't know, like favorite foods and they're doing like these weird cookouts and they're doing these strange little PR stunts and they're doing these like, okay, well, no, this isn't about any governing policies. It's about how racist or anti-Semitic each of the parties happen to be. And it's like, okay, well, whether those things are true or not, what the heck are you going to do when you're governing, right? It, it'd be like trying to apply for a job and not giving anyone any resumes. You're just like, uh, yeah, I like goldfish. It's like, okay, that's not really helpful for us right now. Uh, move along because we have no ability to assess your skills and your ability to perform the actual job you're applying for. You know, if you just showed up to a job interview spattering the kind of noise and distraction that politicians do during an election campaign, you'd never be hired. And yet we seem to have no issues throwing our votes and our support and fervent support towards these lunatic approaches towards public policy, which is to not bother with policy at all or to, you know, talk in broad abstractions or clear lies that are unable to be accomplished. So this noise, what this noise is doing is it's undermining our ability to think rationally about the undertaking in and of itself. And when you have, you know, politics and media oversaturated by this kind of noise, then filtering to find out where the damn real journalism is and where the real facts of the day are and what's actually going on in the world, it doesn't help us, right? And that's why we sort of self-inflict ourselves with the noise of like cat pics and, and things that make us smile and, and funny memes. And we jump away from all of this as, as soon as possible to give us some other kind of stimuli because it is, it's overwhelming and it deprives us of our ability to think clearly. And the point I wanted to make uh, around this is it's intentional. The people who are doing this know that it does that to you. It knows that it deprives you of your reason. They know that it deprives you of your ability to distinguish between what's real and what's not. That creation of chaos and that creation of, you know, disunity and disinformation and 
filling noise into the spectrum of information is for the purposes of making it nearly impossible to suss out what's really going on. And if you don't make a pattern of trying to do information management or you haven't developed those kinds of tools uh, and since our education system generally does not provide those tools most people do not have them the ability to differentiate and validate and seek to validate or even have that desire to go through you know secondary and tertiary validation methods to determine whether or not what you're getting is valid no, we tend to just trust that thing that our friends sent us on Facebook. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, a a, a kind of like you can you almost look at it from a perspective of like network analysis and, and seeing the noise. So you see those like I've, you've ever seen those little um, graphics where you have lots of little points and, and dots in it and, and rows and it kind of shows out where uh, where all the where all the, the, the data points go to, you know, those that that's almost like a little noise engine. It's very difficult to interpret it. All of that data. I mean, if you're good at it, then you know exactly what that means. But if you're just a lay person, you see that kind of graphic, you're just like, uh, I see 5 million dots surrounded in circles around a central object. I don't understand what's going on here, right? Because all it is is really noise. So you, there is this need for us to develop a skill set for filtering that noise protocol. And, you know, when we have this oversaturation and overstimulation in our political world and having, you know, we just went through an election here in Canada. It was, you know, whatever, pretty boring ultimately, despite the fact that, you know, we're governing for the modern age in a time of crisis, no real clear policy, no real clear objectives were, were spent on a lot of the a lot of the coverage was on the noise. It was on, you know, little personality politics or, you know, the slanting or, or misdirection around how people's social behaviors um, conducted themselves, whether or not people's religious beliefs and or lack of religious beliefs were a factor uh, in, in, in their policy or whether or not they'd uh, govern based upon their religious convictions rather than their political ideologies. And you know, uh, in some ways, it, there are fair questions that need to be asked along some of those lines, but not to the point of obscuring the, okay, and I, one would expect that journalists and media would just lay it out straight and kind of go, okay, here's the five major parties, here's all of, in the areas of housing. This is what their plan is in the area of healthcare. This is what their plan is in the area of national defense. This is what their plan is in the area of climate. This is what their plan is, etc., etc., etc. Right now, we have a global energy crisis, whether anybody wants to acknowledge it or not. And the crisis is that our energy is killing us. We need to find, and our need for it continues to increase. So we definitely need to find new sources or capable sources of creating large quantities of en energy, storing it and transmitting it without creating the kind of secondary consequences that nuclear and, you know, fossil fuels and all of that do create. So you know, we're, we don't talk about that. We talked about, you know, the, the prime minister's 
very, very tasteless um, Halloween costumes. And we talk about whether or not, you know, we have Muppets for candidates and whether or not, you know, who's the more racist between Bernier and Shear and, you know, is Shear is Shear's inability to say, well, you know what, our party doctrine is clearly established, and regardless of the fact that I may hold differential views personally, I would never, ever, ever choose to, you know, whatever. Uh, all that, you know, that, that stuff didn't materialize, because the noise is the attention-grabbing stuff. It, it can oversaturate us, it can fill us, it can fill our time, and it will poke at us. So, from a if you're looking at sales, if you're looking at clicks, if you're looking at click-through, if you're looking at, you know, the attention and retention numbers, then facts and useful information, you tend to only need them once. You might spend a little bit more time, but you don't necessarily need to uh, continue to go back. You don't need to have 8,000 updates if you've got the core thing down. Right. Um, it's, you know, once you learn two plus two equals four, you don't have to like there's no news blasts saying two plus two equals four, though I do probably expect there's going to be some news blasts that are two plus two equals five, like some Orwellian friggin news service. But we're, you know, I don't know, like maybe a week away from that. It's problematic. Right. So they the bodies that are filling and saturating us with noise are not going to regulate them. The governments are certainly not really in a place to regulate them, and really noise is only being addressed from that occupational hazard. It's not being addressed from a you know data integrity standpoint. And integrity in the data and being able to differentiate and know a path forward, right? Regardless of our political ideologies, regardless of our preferred outcomes, we shouldn't have disputes over the base level facts of stuff. And the fact that we do now is a result of this noise saturation. It's deprived us of our ability to have rationality, and it's deprived us of our ability to think uh, and in a functional way about what we want and how we want to operate in this world. And that needs to change, and I encourage you to uh, develop some tools and develop a toolbox in that vein. Uh, you can, I mean, these are the information in the toolboxes are out there. You just need to go look for them. So Google, right, noise management, Google, you know, psychological effects of noise, um, all of that kind of stuff. And you can start getting on this page and develop some skills. Again, I, I lean back towards the meditative example uh, and being able to clear the mind in the first place um, as an essential tool towards noise management. And I encourage you to do that. Hopefully you haven't found this podcast just a bit of noise. If you'd like to uh, support us, there is uh, a GoFundMe.com, uh, Better Policies for Better World. So you can find us there and lend a hand. And uh, I wish you a calm and noise-free holiday season, though I assume it will be the opposite.